there's a, an academic concept, it's called uh, homophily, which is the concept of people like people like themselves. We set ourselves this goal of our workplaces becoming reflective of the communities and the societies we serve. But yet here we are in our heads, stuck in these patterns of pattern matching of people, we like people like ourselves. So we have to make conscious effort to overcome that and um, to think more, di you know, diversely and, and to embrace and, and uh, value diversity. Hello and welcome to the Digital Irish Podcast, a podcast all about Irish innovators and entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dave Byrne. If you've been listening to the podcast recently, you know I've spoken to Ireland's Women in AI ambassador, Bejum, about inclusivity, and James from Pep Talk about company culture. Now, this interview today kind of brings the topics of company culture and inclusivity together because I spoke to Sandra Healy from Inclusio, a technology company that is actually bringing insights and data to diversity, equity and inclusion initiatives in the workplace. Now, you don't need to listen to the previous podcast to listen to this one um, but afterwards if you haven't already listened to them I definitely recommend you checking these out but Sandra is so insightful about diversity equity inclusion as it relates to company culture in the workplace and it's really interesting to see how she's bringing insights and actions to this industry and to this category so I hope you enjoy the podcast hope you enjoy this episode and as I said, check out those other ones after this one. Sandra, thank you so much for taking out the time to chat to us today. Thank you, Dave. I'm delighted to be here. Looking forward to our discussion. Great stuff. I want to start off like by finding out some information about you. I mean, you have a career spanning over 20 years in telecoms and in uh, 2016, you actually established the DCU Center of Excellence for Diversity and Inclusion. What inspired the move to go from telecoms into this uh, DCU Center of Excellence for DNI? Yeah, that's a. <clears throat> I have a long answer to that, so I'll, I'll take uh, I'll take you through it. So, um, yeah, I spent 20 years in in telecoms, mainly working across the UK and Ireland. Um, so my background is in technical engineering. And then I brought that into senior roles in sales and customer delivery and customer experience. And my connection to uh, Dublin City University is uh, I studied my master's in organizational psychology in there. And that's really the foundation of where Inclusio came from and the idea around Inclusio came from. Because when I was in industry, I was also leading on, I've been involved in diversity and inclusion for about 16 years. And one of the things I realized is I had really clear KPIs on one side of the work I was doing in sales and customer delivery and, and customer experience. And yet here I was doing this very meaningful work in diversity and inclusion with no way to evidence the impact of it to the organization. And while I was studying the psychology, I was, think, I was learning about all this science behind culture and inclusion and, and diversity. And I was thinking there has to be a way to combine the technology and the science together to bring that, that evidence-based approach. So I made the brave move 
of um, of making the decision that I want to move into entrepreneurship and, and build this uh, build this platform. Uh, and in the meantime, then Dublin City University came to me where I'd, I had been sharing my work in, in DNI. They came to me and asked me, would I go in and develop and deliver the strategy for the university? And I said, absolutely, as long as there's an opportunity for me to build this platform. Uh, and they said, of course, you know, we have access to Enterprise Ireland commercialization funding when we're in here. Yes, of course, we will support you to do that. So when I went into DCU, I established the DCU Centre of Excellence for Diversity and Inclusion. And, and I describe that as taking the research off the shelf. So there's reams of academic thought leadership and, and understanding around diversity and inclusion in work. And what the Centre of Excellence did was uh, collaborations between academics and industry to publish uh, uh, best practice really around uh, diversity and inclusion in work. So that's where Inclusio came from. So I came in with the idea of I wanted to solve this problem around how do you bring a scientific evidence-based approach to measuring diversity and inclusion in work. And over four years of research and development in the university and backed by Enterprise Ireland commercialization, uh, we spun out Inclusio in 2020. That's fantastic. And, you know, the, the, it's fascinating to hear that you all, it seems like the idea for Inclusio like came well before it actually was eventually spun out. Like, um, was this something that you were like ruminating on and thinking about throughout your time in telecoms and just, uh, you know, when the opportunity with DCU came about, it was this the moment that you were like, this is the right time. This is the moment that I need to focus on this or, um, like, what was the kind of the, the thoughts like in advance of DCU that kind of brought Inclusio to life for you? Yeah, I think like I've been always been really passionate about fairness and equity. And, you know, that translates in work in the workplace into diversity and inclusion. And I, I you know, I've been in, in, being a, a woman in tech and been in tech for all of that length of time. I saw that there was an opportunity for you know, a, a, a whole sector to shift and move in a very positive way. But at the same time, I also knew that there has to be a way to do this more efficiently. Uh, I, I did a lot of work around sharing my learning and sharing the practices with other companies. But I also, you know, having a technical background and working in tech, I, I had, you know, I thought there has to be a better way to do this. So uh, you know, I've always had entrepreneurship. It's in my family. I, I've always kind of had, a, I, I would describe myself as an intrapreneur and even setting up the center of excellence within the university is a demonstration of that, right? And I, and I think I've done that in nearly every company I've been in. Um, but I had actually made the decision to, to move from, Vodafone was the last company I worked in. I had made the decision to move from Vodafone and I was going to go into a female founders program to build Inclusio. Uh, and it just happened to be that uh, the opportunity came up at DCU in that transition uh, and it made sense, you know, and for me, an absolutely phenomenal opportunity to build something uh, 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 in, a, in a university setting, the ecosystem of the university enabled us and supported us to build something that's absolutely phenomenal. And I don't know if that I could have done that uh, in, in a different setting. So it, it ended up that it was actually a really good move and, and uh, a, good, a good decision to make to incubate it and, and build it and research it uh, in a university. I feel like that that's often, a, you know, 
almost like a, a very consistent thing when we see with a lot of like um, startups that are finding success. It's not just about the great idea. It's about the environment that they find themselves in and developing. So it's really interesting to actually hear that, uh, that from you as well. Um, but I want to talk about like actually the, you know, you've mentioned this scientific way of, uh, of actually measuring this because I think when you look at a lot of businesses, even some of the reports that you see in the tech industry, a lot of companies will say, hey, we're, we've got this, like we're, we understand diversity, equity, inclusion. But then, um, you know, you see these reports that come out of employees then saying, no, they haven't got it. They haven't figured it out yet. Um, I even saw, I, I believe it was yesterday, GLAD uh, published a report showing that a lot of organizations uh, were still falling down on supporting the LGBTQ plus community, for example. So where is this disconnect starting between the companies that think that they're getting it right, but actually the reality of things for the employees is very different? Yeah, I think if I go back to our journey, so when, when we went into the university, before we wrote one line of code, we did a, a, a research with over 35 global organizations, because what we wanted to do was understand what's the problem we're trying to solve here. So when we spoke to the organization and we started asking questions around, right, what's, what's, what's the what are the challenges that you're experiencing around diversity and inclusion? And one of the first things they told us is we really struggle to collect diversity data. So we want to be better. We want to be reflective of the customers and the communities and the societies that we serve. But if we don't know who we have in the organization, it's very difficult for us to focus in a strategic and in a meaningful way, our hiring efforts and, 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 and make sure that we're doing the right things in the right across the different parts of the business. The second thing then they told us is that um, they, you know, they're saying we're doing really good things around diversity and inclusion. Well, we think we are, you know, we're rolling out global programs. We're putting a lot of work and effort behind it. But how do we know if it's having the right impact? But then when we spoke to the employees in these companies, um, we learned two key things. And the first thing they told us is we do not like disclosing personal things about ourselves and having that attached to our HR record or in internal systems. And the second thing they said is like, we have all these internal, you know, platforms, reporting, you know, uh, systems, uh, uh, surveys, engagement surveys, and all of that kind of thing. Um, but we don't really trust the confidentiality of it. So therefore we don't engage. And, we, you know, we don't, we don't take part in that. And we either stay silent or we move. So that was that's where we started from. So so we set out when we when we designed Inclusio to solve those problems for the organization, but also to solve the problem for the people. So very deliberately, our platform is third party. It sits outside the organization and it maintains the privacy and the confidentiality of the employee. So we collect the demographics. Employees get the opportunity to build. Uh, they're de a very deep de demographic uh, profile. They get the opportunity to uh, give their feedback around their culture and the experience uh, at every level in the organization. Uh, and then we also have a learning platform, which we put a huge amount of effort into building in learning, diversity and inclusion learning. 
to help people build their empathy and uh, empathy and understanding around human differences and to start to shift and align people all in, in uh, uh, together to start to shift the organization. And then what we do is we bring all that together um, anonymously and confidentially, and we uh, produce uh, benchmarks and uh, baseline uh, insights for the organization around what they need to focus their efforts, where they need to focus their efforts and their strengths and weaknesses around diversity and inclusion and help them shift the culture in the right direction. That's phenomenal. Uh, and then, you know, as you're doing that shift, um, what are some of the ways that you're kind of thinking about making, uh, inspiring businesses or encouraging businesses just to make sure that it isn't like a flavor of the month um, asp uh, aspect of things? Because, you know, obviously in the US uh, where I'm based, we've just uh, had Pride Month. And I think like one of the complaints, for example, is that a lot of businesses will, you know, talk about Pride during that month, but then outside of that month, it's not as present. So, how uh, how are uh, how are all of the work that you're doing, like helping include uh, make this evergreen? That this is something that they're always thinking about, not just uh, in particular moments. Yeah, and, and that's a great question. So, what we do, it, the first engagement with Inclusio is we call it it's the baseline. So that's that kind of three week. We go in. It's all through the voice of your people. For me, that was really, really important. Right, that we're not just another platform that goes in and asks some questions to the organisation. Like we set out to solve a challenge that people in work came to us with: is I want to be counted, I want to be heard but I'm not trusting the way employers are trying to do that at the moment. So what we do, we, the, the demographic profile is, is very deep. It looks at all aspects of human differences, not, the, not so much linear categories, right? And it's universally designed in a way that people can engage with it and uh, respond and give meaningful input and insights. So with that, we work with the organization to help them identify and make recommendations around what it is they need to do. What do we need to do going forward to make sure that we're focusing on the right things, we're focusing at the right things in the right parts of the organization. But the other aspects of what we do through the software is support the diversity and inclusion activities that are happening on the ground. So for example, we have nudge campaigns through the platform. So for example, well-being, uh, gender equality, race and ethnicity, uh, learning about different cultures. Uh, we do have a pride, uh, pride campaign as well. And that's, that supports employers uh, and raises awareness, for example, on the importance of allyship, right? Raises awareness on the importance of uh, the organization understanding what are the challenges for, for all people in the organization. So it's not just a once in, oh, tick, I've done that. Uh, we work with the organization and, and, and uh, we help them get a sense of what's going on for people on the ground. We have, there's, there's opportunities, for example, to pulse uh, and to collect information around uh, how are people feeling about certain things. So say, for example, you decided to roll out a program in one particular part of the organization, you're able to check uh, with people saying, you know, did, did that have the right impact? Is that the type of thing that you're looking for? So we help uh, employees give feedback and, and to, to guide the organization on their activities and making sure that they're uh, represented. I think one of the things we found is when we present back uh, the, 
the diversity, uh, the richness of the diversity of the organization. People love that. They love to be able to see, you know, I'm not, it's not just me. You know, I could be in a global organization of 10,000 people and I see, look at the richness and the cultural uh, difference and the mix of, of the company that, that I belong to. And that's very powerful. Even that in itself is really, really powerful. I love that. And, you know, one thing that as you were talking through there, like the the kind of the the work that you're doing and providing these resources and making sure that that the uh, you know, the the management is connecting with the employees and it's coming all through. Um, you know, I imagine that this is having, you know, huge, significant benefits to the the the, the businesses themselves. So, you know, one thing is like, um, I imagine that there's probably some conversations that you've had with other businesses or even just internally about how this, uh, like the work with Inclusio is actually an investment. It's actually an investment in, hey, like we will help you improve productivity. We will help you build a culture that is more collaborative, more innovative through all of this, that it's almost like... Um, you know, where a lot of things are seen, like if you were to look at profit and loss, like balance sheets and everything else, they may say, oh, well, this is a cost. But it really does sound like that this is a, a huge potential investment um, with potentially huge returns at the uh, at the end of it. Yeah, the, like it, there's very clear return on investment with it because you're able to track. It's first off, it's scientific based. That's the first thing. And um, the second thing is it's independent, right? So there isn't anybody. The 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 data and the insight is coming from the people on the ground in your organization, uh, no matter where they are. And and I think one of the most uh, powerful uh, pieces of of what we've built is and and COVID was a great uh, putting it to great use is distributed workforces. So one of our trial partners that we worked with uh, while we were in the university is Sodexo that have a very distributed workforce uh, globally. And we set out to solve a problem for them. How do you keep uh, people who are not necessarily all in the one building? How do you keep them connected into a culture? Uh, and keep them and know what's happening and their experience on the ground. So we've designed the, 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 the platform and the experience um, to be able to understand that and bring that insight to, to leaders. And then the whole world moved into hybrid and uh, distributed working, uh, which was quite interesting because that allowed us then to, to show the power of using a, a tool to be able to uh, highlight to leaders how you know what people's experience is like on on the ground uh, in the organization so you you're asking you're asking the question there about return on investment so w one piece of it really is if you can get to things early and you understand the hot spots and you understand what people's experiences are like at their individual team level for example that helps you then intervene and put things in place and take action in the right way that increases psychological safety, increase sense of belonging, which in turn increases uh, productivity, retention, innovation. And like there's reams of research out there that shows, particularly when it comes to diverse teams, you know, when, when you get diverse teams working together, the innovation is a multiplier of 100, you know, when you can get them when it comes to innovation and problem solving. 
and that's what employers are looking for now. They're looking for people that are able to be, you know, innovate. And what the number, one of the key things that you need for innovation in a team is having a psychologically safe environment, a place that you can bring your ideas to the table, that you're going to be heard, uh, and that your opinion is valued and that your ideas are valued. If you're a senior leader at the top of a global, global organization, how do you know that that's the culture that's going on on the ground? And quite often you don't until you start to see a spike in turnover or you start to see a, a spike in absenteeism or a spike in a lack of, you know, a, a reduction in, in your productivity metrics. And, and quite often it, it, it can be a bit too late to be taking action then. What we help you do is get ahead of that. And, and even like we've had feedback from leaders and, and from organizations saying even the, uh, partnering with Inclusio and, and taking that approach, it's a brave move. And it is, it's seen by employees as a brave move because really what you're indicating is that we care about you, we care about your opinion, and we want you to tell us what you need us to do to build the organization and the, and the culture that you want to be part of. That is really appreciated by people in the world and in the workplace today. A quick pause in today's podcast because we want to hear from you, the listener. We are constantly trying to improve the Digital Irish podcast. We want to make it more engaging. We want to make sure that we're bringing in the best guests. We want to hear your feedback, advice, and tips for future speakers and interviewees. So please email us at hello at digitalirish.com if you have any suggestions for the show. Also, if you yourself are an innovator, an entrepreneur, or feel like you have something unique to say, please also reach out to us as well. We'd love to hear your story. That's hello at digitalirish.com. Now back to the interview. It, it definitely it definitely sounds like that it's almost like a, a sign of trust building where it's like, Hey, like we trust you yep. to give us the, the feedback that we need to make this an environment that's better for you and better for everybody. Um, and, you know, you really like touched on something there in regards to, you know, the, how innovation and creativity increase as a result of more diversity. Um, I think the other thing that, I, you know, I've, I, you know, I've worked in sales and marketing for years now. And one thing that I've always uh, noticed is you can almost identify a team that isn't diverse by their marketing campaigns. Um, when you see marketing campaigns, that's like, oh, that was clearly like a team of like five or six white men put that together. And like there, it doesn't connect with any other audience. Um, you know, I've heard stories of, uh, you know, folks going out with a marketing campaign thinking, hey, we're going to reach this audience. And then that audience looks at it and goes, you clearly don't get us. Um, so I think it's almost like it's so valuable to have that, uh, you know, that that aspect of of innovation, but also that aspect of like making sure that you're actually doing the right things to actually connect with people that you want to connect with as well, you know? Yeah. And I, and I think um, it's, it's, it's something that we all struggle with really, because what you're describing there is 
bias, whether it's conscious or unconscious bias, um, and it's not necessarily always uh, uh, groups of white men. It can be groups of any group. And I describe it uh, when I do my talks. I have a, a, a talk that I do around building workplaces where people want to work. And, and one part of that, I talk about how we are pattern matching machines, unfortunately. And that's where our bias comes from. And, and there's a, an academic concept, it's called uh, homophily, which is the concept of people like people like themselves. And this is the challenge, right? As we want, we, you know, we, we set ourselves this goal of our workplaces becoming reflective of the communities and the societies we serve. But yet here we are in our heads, stuck in these patterns of pattern matching of people, we like people like ourselves. So, you know, if we think we're great in work, we're gonna hire people who are like us. Uh, if we think our team members are great, we're gonna to want to hire more people that are like them. And so we have to make conscious effort to overcome that and um, to think more, di you know, diversely and, and to embrace and, and uh, value diversity. So, we're, we're trying to overcome something that is uh, goes against us. <laughs> um, so I think having group think is what you've described there, Dave, right? Group think in any context and no matter what group it is, is not healthy for us as humans. You know, I, I read it. Uh, there was a piece of research published there earlier this year um, by Scale Ireland, uh, and they did a, a research across over 250 uh, startup organizations. We have a vibrant startup community here in, in Ireland. 250 organizations took part. And some of the research that came back is that 47% of, of the leadership teams within those startups had no women on their leadership team or in their senior team. And I, I, I found this shocking, right, that here we are, 2022, that it would be possible to build a business and have a team and sit around a table and think that you've come up with something that is sustainable um, and 51% and of the population are missing in those discussions. And, and I reflected on that as a human, right? As a leader of a, of a startup, right? And I, and I thought to myself how I would see that as a personal failure as a human and as a leader, if I had a team that was all women or a team that was all men, because, for, and maybe that's me, that's just the way, I, I don't think it's just the way I, I am. I think like we have to understand the value of, of different perspectives and how that helps us build sustainable business, sustainable, profitable businesses. And, you know, so it's not just around the people, the people is one side of it, but the perspectives and valuing the skills and different experiences is really important. But what we're seeing now is particularly younger generations like, you know, millennials and Gen Zs, they actively research the culture of an organization before they'll even consider applying for a job. And it is a revolving door if, if, if they come in and they don't see that the organization is reflective. Like they have come from universities, they've come from schools, they've come from communities that are diverse and inclusive. And that's what they expect when they come into the workplace. And if they're coming into a workplace that is vanilla, as if I can use that term, uh, they're gone, they'll leave and they leave. And quite often what happens is they take people with them. 
So representation is really, really important. And it has to start at the, at the senior leadership team from that's my personal view, right? That's where you have to start. And, and I'm, I've seen some startups run at 100 miles an hour, building their teams and building their senior leadership teams. And they kind of go, I'll come back to that. I'll come back to the diversity and inclusion. I'll come back to the culture stuff because I just have to, this is the fastest thing to do. And that's back to that point I made around the pattern matching, right? Our networks are going to be full of people like us because we hang out with people who are like us. We're, we're going to be running at 100 miles an hour trying to recruit. So we're going to reach out to our networks and we're going to tap in and build our companies and our networks of people and think that we can come back to the, to the diversity and inclusion after. It's actually harder to come back to it after because it has such a negative impact on you trying to retain and hire your, your talent. So it's something you have to think about getting right from, from day one. And, and if there was lessons to be learned, look at the big global companies now that are trying to unpick the decisions that have been made over the years. And, and it's much harder to, to unpick it further down the line and, you know, and think about how do I get my boards and my senior team and, and my, you know, my leaders in my organization, how can I make sure that they're making the right decisions and they're reflective of, of the societies and the customers that we serve? Is, so it, is it as simple as, you know, let's just say if, there, if, if I'm a senior leader at a company and I'm building out a, a division or a team, or maybe I'm an entrepreneur who's like looking to, kind of start building the team is it simply like is this a case of like allyship in regards to just like reflecting and saying like what like who would provide me a different perspective a different point of view and kind of building from there or is it a deeper thinking that needs to happen to kind of make these decisions early on and be able to kind of have that uh, diversity and inclusion from the ground up? I, I, I think firstly, just to recognize that it's not simple, right? Because we're talking about humans and nothing to do with humans is simple. <laughs> uh, and every time you add another human in, it becomes more complex. So you might have it all, you think you have it right and it's all working. And now another human comes in and everything goes up in the air again and you have to settle it again. I, I think um, there's a few things that you can do to set yourself in the right direction and I think the first thing is when it comes to hiring uh, have a balanced set of candidates in front of you so don't do the natural fastest thing of just reach out and go yeah that you have the right skills yeah you'll do you know think about how can you be more planned in your hiring and seek diverse seek out a diversity of candidates like uh, quite often we hear people talk about um you know, oh, it has to be the right person for the job. I, absolutely, 100%, it has to be the right person for the job. But if you don't have the right set of candidates in front of you, it's going to be near impossible for you to hire in a diverse and inclusive way. And Like, just to give you an ex a practical example, I, I was doing some work with a, a company um, in a particular sector that wanted to hire in a senior leader, very traditional male-dominated sector, and they needed to hire a senior leader. And they were thinking, you know, men have always been in this sector. They're be, going to be here way longer than any woman has ever been here. Of course, they're going to be the best candidate for the job is going to be a man. And I said, well, that's a very rational way to think about this. I said, but what about if you thought about if 
um, say you hired a woman from tech who had no experience in your sector, but hypothetically, she had 20 years experience in the function that you're looking for, 20 years experience in tech. What do you think that her, so she's not going to have the expertise, you're going to have to teach her and, and help her learn and get up to speed on how you do things in your sector. She's going to have to learn about your product and all of that kind of thing. But what do you think that she might add to your team as she comes in um, with, with that 20 years experience? So that was, a, I think, a bit of a light bulb moment um, for, for that team. And what they did was create from, from that conversation, they created an equitable, a, a, a broader hiring process. So what I would say is when you're building your team, just look further afield, you know, and, and have a very plan, well-planned process around how you hire people so that everybody has an opportunity an equal opportunity to be successful through the process. It's um, not easy. What, oh, I, yes, very, very much so. I think it's one of those things as well where um, I think, you know, as you say, it, it's not easy, but like the, the benefit and the impact that those work can have is, is massive. And as you say, like, you know, you touched on this earlier, uh, millennials and Gen Z, you know, we're going through what they're calling the great resignation right now, where I have heard stories of Gen Z kind of saying like, listen, you know, money is great, but I would rather be at a place that reflects my values and reflects who I am than just simply making money. And it, it's an interesting perspective now where I think a lot of businesses are going to struggle with their hiring practices if DNI is not at the core of their hiring practices. Um, that even if uh, even if they think that they're you know potentially going after the best candidates, best candidates often don't look like them, don't sound like them, and will end up going elsewhere. You know. Yeah, I think it's it's the what I'm describing there is hiring for the culture ad rather than the culture fit. And mm. I think that if we look at like this, some of the research you're talking about there around the Gen Zs, I, I read a frightening one the other day that said they'll have 34, th sorry, they'll have 10 jobs by the time they're 34. Um, that's quite worrying. Yeah. Um, wow. And, and they are the true gig economy, if you think. Okay, so... Uh, you know you're not going to be able to keep them in in your organization forever but how you know what how can you get the most out of them and this is the challenge right when you hire talent into your organization it's around you know there's an investment in sourcing them hiring them bringing them in and, and getting you know training them and getting them productive uh, what you don't want is that becomes a revolving door and they're, and they're gone out the other side uh, over 80 percent of uh, uh, Gen Zs and millennials will actively research the culture and say that culture and diversity and inclusion is important when they come into an organization. So you might have beautiful policies and values and all up on your website. If, if the culture is not reflective of that, if it's not what it says on the tin, they're gone. And that can be a very costly uh, process for your business. It costs six to nine months salary on average to resource, hire and train and bring somebody else in on the back of somebody who's left. So it's it's I describe it as slowing down to speed up. 
<laughs> because if you get the foundations right and you put all of these things in place, um, it can help. It can help. And if I think about what we do with Inclusio, we give you the insight and the 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 data and the understanding of the culture, so you know what you need to do to get it right. And like we have organizations that use our data for now uh, gender pay gap reporting for the first time in Ireland. So we have organizations that are using our insights to be able to write the narrative and, and tell the story of what it's like for, for men and women in the organization and tell a good story and a balanced, uh, a balanced story around that. Uh, we have organizations that use our insights to uh, not change, but upgrade and update their policies around supporting uh, people with disabilities and neurodiverse people in the organization around accommodations and supporting people managers to uh, be more aware of what they need to do at a team level to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to be successful in the team. Like these are things that can take years. Like we've had companies that said to us, we have advanced their DNI knowledge by three years in in a three in th in that three week baseline. Wow! And but and 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 I'm a DNI practitioner, and I get it. That's what we set out to do: was build a solution built by psychologists, technologists, and DNI practitioners to build a solution that helps shift and accelerate the pace of change around an inclusive culture for companies. That, that is phenomenal. And, you know, amazing to hear the successes that you're seeing there and, you know, being able to move a company forward three years in the space of three weeks um, is incredible. So I'd love to understand, like, you know, where are you kind of, uh, with Inclusio, what what it what does success look like for you in the, you know the the next twelve months and beyond? Because obviously, like right now, there's so much discussion about you know diversity, equity, inclusion. But like you've brought up a, an interesting one there with people with different abilities. Like it's it's so expansive now that it seems like that we're almost at a reckoning where. Every business needs to be doing something or needs to be showing up uh, right now. So how do you see Inclusio fitting into that? And how do you see the next year, uh, the next year and beyond go, um, progressing for you? Yeah, so we, we spun out in 2020 and thankfully we've had phenomenal support um, and brought on clients over the last we're only 15 months. Uh, we closed our pre-seed round uh, last September. Uh, and we're actively fundraising now for our seed round. And that's bringing us forward, uh, preparing us uh, and bringing uh, the syndicate together, preparing us for our Series A uh, in the next 18 months. Um, we, what we have built is something that's quite unique. Um, we've been evaluated independently by some of the biggest organizations in the world who are out there looking for, looking for our type of service. And the feedback we get over and over again is there's nothing else out there like what we do in the market. We're actively building our team now. Uh, we've started to, we're operating in three markets. Uh, we have our team in six different locations across, based in six different locations across the globe. Uh, and we're active in three markets. And our intention over the next uh, 12, 24 months 
is to uh, grow and expand um, into uh, English-speaking markets initially, uh, and then to localize our platform and be able to bring it into global workforces. So we have big ambitions. We have a very committed team. What I love, Dave, about the team that we have in Inclusio is we describe ourselves as a social impact organization. You know, we set out to solve a problem in the world. Uh, we take that very seriously. Uh, everybody, every single person who works for us wants to be part of that mission. Uh, and we will drive the change that is required uh, for people in work. And we'll do that through our direct work and working with our academic partners uh, which is really important around accelerating that pace of change and creating and building workplaces uh, where people want to work. I think that that's really important. So very exciting times ahead. We have thankfully have some phenomenal investors on board. Uh, Enterprise Ireland have been brilliant with us, which has been great, you know, supported us in the early days in the university and then have followed through uh, out into where we are today. But our ambition is to be the number one diversity and inclusion DNI tech platform in the world, and we're well positioned for that. And is there anything that the Digital Irish podcast audience can help you with to achieve that mission? I think being part of the community is really important. Uh, like, I'm an entrepreneur as first, you know, and and I I connect uh, quite often with a lot of CEOs and, and the CEO journey, I think can be, is a very unique journey because you have the responsibility of all of, all of us. Uh, and what I love about this type of connection, Dave, and, and, uh, and when you start to bring uh, startups, we're all at, we're all on the same road, but in, in different shoes, if I can use that as an analogy uh, and it bringing, creating communities where we can share and support each other, I think is really, really important. Um, so for me, um, talking about what we do, you know, if you think about, if you know companies that are uh, on the diversity and inclusion journey are just starting, we have a lot of com companies that are trying to get ahead and we can help them accelerate that. So promote us, think about us, give us opportunities to talk about the work we're doing. Um, and hopefully there'll be opportunities for us to reciprocate that. And, and we'd be happy to do that as well. Amazing stuff. So where can uh, folks listening in find out more information? Uh, well, the best place I'd to go, I'd say, is our website. And we're on LinkedIn as well. So inclusio.io, uh, you'll find us. You'll find us on LinkedIn. Uh, please feel free to connect with me on, on LinkedIn as well. Uh, I do a lot of work um, in uh, presentations and, and thought leadership around all different aspects of diversity and inclusion. And I'm very happy to do that. I would love to be the catalyst of bringing some of that to the startup community. I, I talked about some of the research there and some of the challenges we see around representation. It's not just gender representation, it's representation in, in all its forms. I would like to think that in my journey as an entrepreneur that I can positively influence that and support the entrepreneur community uh, to solve some of the challenges they have around representation. So again, Maybe, maybe that's something that we could do, work on together and see if there's an opportunity to solve some of the problems for uh, the startup community around that. Love that. And we'll also make sure that we link to uh, the website and LinkedIn in the show notes. But 
Sandra, for now, I just can't thank you enough for taking out the time. I know that, um, you know, you are so, so busy at the moment, but really fascinating to hear about the mission and the work that you're doing and fantastic to hear the success that you're having as well. So just congratulations on that. And um, I, I can't emphasize how much uh, this has been enlightening and I, we wish you all the best for the next 12 months and beyond. That's great. Thanks, Dave. I've enjoyed our discussion today. Thank you. Thanks again to Sandra Healy for joining us today. If you want to check out more about Inclusio, check out inclusio.io. That's I-N-C-L-U-S-I-O dot I-O. On the next episode. Drone delivery and robotic delivery for the last mile is just as powerful place business so bricks and mortars businesses you're turning them into online businesses immediately because now they're available to everyone in the locality and with automated delivery so it's such a transformative and disruptive mode of delivery that we'd expect businesses to reorganize how they sell how they position themselves we fully expect consumer behavior to change around the granularity and frequency of purchases that they make that you ultimately create loads of jobs and you empower all of these businesses. This podcast is brought to you by the Digital Irish Network. To find out more about the Digital Irish Network, check out www.digitalirish.com. On the website, you'll also find out more information about networking, events, news, and much, much more, all with a little bit of an Irish flair. 